Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. Buddy Walls. Lesson is on the beginning of sorrows. The beginning of sorrows. I'll be using the authorized King James Bible. The tribulation period is more accurately referred to as Daniel's 70th week. But Daniel, but what is Daniel's 70th week? Daniel chapter 9 records a vision given to Daniel. In that vision, the angel Gabriel appeared to Daniel and gave to him the infamous prophecy of Daniel 70 weeks. The prophecy of the 70 weeks of years, or 490 years, and especially that final seven years, in other words, the 70th week, has confused many a Bible scholar. In a nutshell, these years were years of judgment against the nation of Israel because of their faithfulness. Daniel's 70th week, in other words, Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, Daniel 9, 24 through 27, is a time when trouble is compounded by greater troubles, sorrow by greater sorrows, and tribulation by greater tribulation. Those still living upon the earth will not escape the worldwide trouble, sorrow, and tribulation. In many ways, Daniel's 70th week aligns with Amos' description of the days of the Lord. The buildup of troubles described by Amos is likened to running from a lion only to be met by a bear, escaping from a lion into the safety of a house only to be bit by a serpent. This description reveals the absolute uselessness of man's resistance of God. In Amos chapter 5, verse 18 through 19, Amos chapter 5, verse 18 through 19, it says, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it to you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. In verse 19 it says, And if a man flee from a lion, and a bear met him, or went into the house, and leaned his hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him. You know, uh, although there is some overlapping toward the end of Daniel's 70th week, the day of the Lord does not extend over the entirety of Daniel's 70th week. At the same time, there are some descriptive similarities due to this overlapping. The description I just read of the day of the Lord seems to match the account of Daniel's 70th week as laid out in the Synoptic Gospel. Descriptive phases such as the beginning of sorrows found in Matthew chapter 24 verse 8, Matthew 24 8, and also Mark chapter 13 verse 8, and then shall be great tribulation. In Matthew 24, verse 21, Matthew 24, 21, suggests that Daniel's 70th week opens with sor troubles or sorrows, but increasingly worsens until the heavens open. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, Revelation 19, 11, revealing Christ's second advent. Now I want to talk to you about the threat of deception. The opening days of Daniel's 70th week will be days of deception particularly as it applies to a false covenant and a false prophet. Deception is one of the devil's most used and effective weapons against the truth. Implementing, implemented in different parts since the Garden of Eden, the devil's lies will be fully displayed during Daniel's 70th week. At the same time, the one who is a liar and the father of it, according to John chapter 8, verse 44, 
John 8, 44. Well, have his share of false prophets doing his bidding. Imagine the time of peril and change to this world following the departure of the church. In order to effectively deceive the multitudes into believing his lie at the abomination of desolation found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, the man of sin will impersonate God. Prior to that point, Satan must create doubt as to the identity and location of the Son of God. For those who suppose the church will be present during Daniel's 70th week, this makes no sense. After all, when Christ comes for the church, he comes in the clouds, and we meet him in the air, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. No church-age saint with any Bible sense would look for the Christ upon the earth. No matter a person's position on the rapture, Everyone teaches that all believers will be caught up to meet Christ before his return to earth. When Christ comes at his second advent, he will return to earth as a judge, a king, and as a captain of a great and mighty host. He will not come as a redeemer of man's souls. Christ came as a redeemer during his first advent, and that aspect is finished, according to John chapter 19, verse 30. John 19.30. In the churches absent from earth, every major religion will be highly susceptible to deception, looking for a coming redeemer. This is the type of deception warned against because they all will seek an earthly deliverer. The following are a few examples to illustrate religious groups looking for their own anointed one. The Orthodox Jews are looking for a great charismatic political leader in the end of days during the Olam Haba, the Messianic Age. He will be well-versed in Jewish law, observant of his commandments, and called Mashiach ben David, or Messiah, the son of David. The Shiite Muslims are looking for their Messiah called the Twelfth Inman, Iman, the Mahdi, who was born in A.D. 868 and placed into hiding by Allah until the Day of Judgment. They believe he is Mohammed Ibn Hassan, the twelfth in line of Amans, who were descendants of the Prophet Muhammad. The Sunni Muslims are looking for their first appearance of Mahdi. The Buddhists are looking for their savior, the Maitra as the moral degradation of, and societal deterioration reaches an all-time low. The Hindus are looking for the tenth and final incarnation of Vishnu, called the Kalki. Many other world religions would add their Christ to this list through the same pattern of unbelief and rejection of the true Christ. One commonality Amongst each of these religions, they are all looking for a savior, a deliverer, and redeemer to show up upon the earth. The Bible says that many will come in Christ's name, and they will effectively deceive many. Christ's name, and they will. Uh, the dogmas taught by these religions and others are setting their followers and the world up for the acceptance of a false messiah, who will come to deceive the world. This situation will be so unimaginable without any Christians here to warn of the deception. I want to read you some verses beginning in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 5. Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 5. And Jesus answered and said unto him, to them, 
Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Mark chapter 13, verse 5 through 6. Mark 13, 5 through 6. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Luke chapter 21, verse 8. Luke 21, 8 says, And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not, therefore, after them. Clearly, Daniel's 70th week brings with it the highest levels of deception. After all, many shall come with a false message and shall deceive many. Obviously, there will be many deceivers and many being deceived. The false gospel is basically threefold. Number one, it says, I am Christ. That's found in Matthew 24, 5, Mark 13, 6, and Luke 21, 8. The Bible says the time draweth near. That's found in Luke 21, 8. And follow me, noted by the admonition, go ye not therefore after them, found in Luke chapter 21, verse 8. Should any Christian, even if only possessing a basic understanding of Scripture, be the least be concerned over the possibility of this described deception. Christians, no matter their stance upon the time of the timing of the rapture, will not be looking for an earthbound deliverer. Pre-tribulation rapture believer looks to meet Jesus in the air before Daniel's 70th week, not upon earth during it. The post-tribulation rapture teacher should be instructing his unfortunate followers to be looking for the angels sent to deliver those who have endured until the end of Daniel's 70th week. That's according to Matthew chapter 24, verse 31. Matthew 24, 31. Neither of these Greek groups should be fooled by someone on earth claiming to be Christ. Whether or not the deceptive satanic messengers bark out threatenings when their appeals are refused is not necessarily known. But what is known is that their appeals result in a high rate of success. In this capacity, these messengers, or Antichrist, pave the way for the final Antichrist to follow. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last time, as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that he is the last time. Unfortunately, the church age had experienced its share of those claiming to be Christ. Yet these deceptions are pale in comparison to the extent of the worldwide deception that will take place during Daniel's 70th week. In fact, God's warning that during Daniel's 70th week, the hordes of hell will implement signs and wonders attempting to draw away the elect or believing Israel. Matthew chapter 24, verse 24. Matthew 24, 24 says, For there shall arise false Christ, false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Mark chapter 13, verse 22. Mark 13, 22 says, For false Christ and false prophets shall rise, and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. There should be no dispute as to who are the elect in Matthew chapter 24. 
The context undeniably references the same group of the elect mentioned in the Old Testament because the Lord was addressing a group of Jews prior to the establishment of the New Testament church. Simply comparing scripture with scripture, also considering context, in obedience to God always supplies the right answer. During this heightened time of deception, there will be many competing voices, some pointing in the same direction, but all pointing in the wrong direction. Similar to the Garden in Eden, the introduction of multiple authorities causes confusion from God's commands. During Daniel's 70th week, many voices will overwhelm the masses. Some counterfeiters will claim to be Christ, as in Matthew 24, 5, Mark 13, 5 through 6, and Luke 21, 8. Others will claim to have seen Christ in Matthew 24, 23, Mark 13, 21. To make matters worse, these imposters will have false signs to confirm their false messages in Matthew 24, 24 and Mark 13, 22. Understandably, so the serious nature of the time calls for a warning to take heed or pay close attention. According to Matthew 24, verses 4 through 5, Matthew 24, 4 through 5, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Mark 13, 5 through 6, And Jesus answered to them, answering them, began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Luke 21, 8, and he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. Then you've got the threat of wars. We're in that time period now, right now. If the concern for deception and the lack of spiritual soundness were not bleak enough, the earth's inhabitants will also be overwhelmed by the unrelenting threat of wars. Although Daniel's 70th week opened with the Jews enjoying a, com uh, a confirmation of a covenant of peace with the Antichrist, as according to Daniel 9.27, Daniel 9.27, they will be constantly bombarded by the news of existing wars and the threat of possible wars. I want to remind you again of Matthew 24.6, And ye shall hear wars and rumors of wars, see that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And then in Mark 13, 7, And when ye shall hear wars and rumors of war, be not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. And then in Luke 21, 9, But when ye shall hear of wars and commotion, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. These terrible events should not trouble those who know and understand the timing of each prophecy. After all, these events must all come to pass, but the end is not yet. The current description of events takes place prior to the nations unleashing their hatred against Jerusalem. In Zechariah chapter 14, verse 2, Zechariah 14, 2, it says, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. That's taking place right today. And the city shall be taken and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. 
Bible says that God will gather the nation to battle against Jerusalem. Yet, prior to the nation being gathered to fight against Jerusalem, they will wage war amongst themselves. Imagine if you can uh, see the pending danger when the United Nations will be more inept uh, and powerless to thwart the onslaught. Simply put, no global council will thwart the fulfillment of prophecy. I want to read you these three verses again. Watch this. Matthew 24, 7. Matthew 24, 7. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places or various places. Mark 13, 8. Mark 13, 8. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. Luke chapter 21, verse 10. Luke 21, 10 says, Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. We're seeing the prelude, the prelude to the tribulation, or what the Bible calls the beginning of sorrow. Now I want to ask you one question before I close. Are you 100% sure that you're going to heaven? Are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? You know, you can't be 20% sure, 35% sure, 55% sure, 75% sure. You cannot even be 99% sure. If you are 99% sure, that means you're lost. You're not going to make it. You have to be 100% sure that you're going to heaven. The Bible actually says that in 1 John chapter 5, verse, 8, verse 13. The Bible says that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, the first thing we got to do to gain eternal life is recognize that we are a sinner. Look, we all go to heaven the same way. We've got to first recognize that we are a sinner. We are, we're all born that way naturally by birth. We are born with a sin nature. And then we have to repent of that sin. That means give it up, go another direction. You can repent a thousand times. It won't do you one bit of good until you actually give that sin up. And then believe that the Son of God came to this earth in the flesh and was crucified on the cross, died for our sins, and the third day rose from the dead and is sitting at the right hand of the Father making an intercession for us. You have to believe that with all your heart and soul. And then the Bible says you shall be saved. That's how you gain eternal life. I hope you've enjoyed this lesson and we look forward to a few more down the road. Dr. Buddy Walls. Signing off.